0: This is the second week of our five week journey through the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, a chapter often referred to as the Bread of Life Discourse. This chapter does in the Gospel of John what the Last Supper narrative does in the other three Gospels it provides the Eucharistic theology that has been present since the earliest days of the Church. However, The other three Gospels present a less-than-complete theology of the Eucharist. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are narrators, so they tell the story of the Last Supper because it seemed to be an important part of Jesus' life that the Apostles often spoke about. But they did not completely understand what Jesus was doing that night before he died. John, on the other hand, was a theologian. And likely had read the other three Gospels before writing his own. Rather than provide yet another narrative account of the Last Supper, John instead decided to recount this lengthy and difficult discourse that Jesus gives in the synagogue in Capernaum. Whereas the Passover meal on Holy Thursday does show strong connections to the story of salvation history found in the Old Testament, the Bread of Life discourse is far more explicit in its connections to God's work amongst the Jews. While the Last Supper looks kind of like the Passover, the Bread of Life discourse shows clearly that the gift of the Eucharist is the fulfillment of a plan that God had set in motion centuries before. Last week, Jesus multiplied the loaves, showing himself to be a prophet equal to Elisha, who had multiplied loaves in the second book of Kings. This week, however, Jesus begins to reveal himself as more than just an Old Testament prophet, but as the one who is the perfect and complete version of the imperfect figures who came before him. So, of course, today's gospel deals with Moses. There is no figure more important to Jewish identity No prophet with greater words, no leader with greater miracles. The law of Moses was the foundation of Jewish religion. So when Jesus tells the crowd that they must believe in him as the one sent by God, it is not surprising that the Jews challenge him to show them a sign equal to the sign of Moses. And the greatest miracle of Moses was the miraculous food that sustained the Jews in the desert for 40 years. Show us the manna, the crowd is telling Jesus, and we will believe that you are the new Moses. It is at this point that Jesus must correct their thinking. Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. First, Jesus says, it was God that gave the bread, not Moses. So stop looking for a new Moses exactly like the old one, and instead pay attention to where the presence and power of God can be found. But far more important is the second part of that statement. The bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is trying to help the people see that the presence and power of God is not found primarily in physical signs and miracles, but in grace, in those times and ways in which God breaks into the world and breaks into our souls. And that this is primarily a spiritual, not a physical, occurrence. John's theological progression is stunning. Exactly like the woman at the well a couple of chapters earlier, the crowd begins with a physical desire to have their hunger sated with more bread. But Jesus tells them that what they truly desire is the bread that will not pass away, the bread from heaven. They ask him for this mysterious, tantalizing, celestial bread. And Jesus tells them that he himself is the bread. And then, in the passage given to us by the church, we are left in suspense. Will the people accept the teaching of Jesus? Can the crowd make the shift from the physical to the spiritual? From the manna to the bread of life? From Moses to Jesus? Unfortunately, as we will learn in the coming weeks, the crowd in this passage does not respond with the same faith as the Samaritan woman. They reject Jesus, reject his identity as the bread of life, and reject most especially the idea that this teaching is both analogical and literal, that Jesus can feed their souls But must also be eaten by their bodies. Now, the reason that the people reject Jesus is because they refuse to elevate their minds and think according to the will and nature of God. They are stuck in their preconceived notions and their sinful self reliance. They are comfortable with what they already understand. They cannot leave behind the world of sin that they know to enter into the world of grace that awaits them. But this shift is so essential for them in the time of Jesus and for us even now. This is what St. Paul is addressing in our second reading when he says, "...you should put away the old self of your former way of life, corrupted through deceitful desires." And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self, created in God's way, in righteousness and holiness of truth. In other words, to be renewed in God, we must abandon ourselves, our old ways of thinking, and our selfish desires. We must allow ourselves to be recreated in God. Otherwise, we will be forever bound to this corrupted world which is fading away. My friends, we really, really want to put on the new self. Because only in the new self are we able to recognize Jesus and accept the incredible grace that he is offering us. What does putting on the new self look like? It looks like breaking up with our favorite sins rather than compromising with them. It looks like seeking the will of God rather than telling God what He should be doing for us. It looks like realizing that nothing in this world can make us happy except God, who is the fulfillment of our deepest desires. It looks like kicking complacency to the curb And always trying to become, more and more every day, the people God created us to be. In other words, putting on the new self is focusing on Jesus above everything else, rather than rejecting Jesus because he is not the Moses we expected. It means believing him when he says that he is the bread of life, rather than turning away and waiting for someone to bring us manna. So ask yourselves, are you happy with this world? Are you happy with yourselves? Is everything perfect? Is everything the way you always imagined it would be? No? Then why hold on to it? Let go of the things you are clutching in your fists. Of the things you are scared to let fade away, put away your old selves. Do not be like the crowd, but instead throw yourself upon Jesus with childlike abandon and follow him wherever he takes you. No matter where you end up with the bread of life, you will always be fulfilled.